and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So if you were here last week, then, um, then you know Pastor Mark brought the word, right? Anybody here last week? Come on, Pastor Mark brought some truth about heaven and about hell. Um, that there's eternal punishment for the unbeliever, right? But that there's eternal life for the righteous. And how just because we choose to ignore it or, or not want to discuss the hard topics, right, doesn't mean they don't exist. We have to know the truth. And we have to believe in the truth to experience this kingdom culture, right? This transformation inside of us. And I love how Pastor Josh defined the truth. He said, if it's biblical, it's not cringy. It's critical. Amen. Come on, it's critical. It's not cringy. We don't want to talk about the hard stuff because it makes us cringe, right? But if we're going to have this kingdom culture transformation inside of us, then we have to know the truth. And sometimes it's not easy, right? But it's critical to our character. Come on, we're blessed at Destiny Church to have an amazing staff, right? Amazing staff of communicators. We've heard from Pastor Steve this series. We've heard from Pastor Duel. We've heard from Pastor Josh and obviously Pastor Mark. Um, and I'm blessed and favored to be able to get to share the stage with such great communicators. Um, but can I just share a moment of transparency? Is that okay? Like, look, it's not as bold as Pastor Mark's transparency last week, if y'all were here, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you were here, um, if you weren't here, man, listen, I highly suggest that you listen to it on the podcast because, man, it's, trust me, it's not that transparent, but it's a moment of transparency. Um, you know, because I believe this, I'm not looking for sympathy, but I believe honestly that transparency is fruitful, right? Right. So I want to know that I, I don't feel like I'm alone in this, but by an honest show of hands in here, be truthful. How many people in this room at this moment struggle with comparison? A quarter of the room, all, all y'all must be CrossFitters, the other ones, because I know y'all compare. Y'all are liars, because I mean, but listen, like, it's natural, I think, for us to struggle with comparison. You see, for me, I see the results that these guys get. I see and hear the responses that these communicators get, and I see the fruit of their effectiveness, right? So therefore, there's comparison with me. Naturally, as a communicator, I have comparison. But here's what I've learned this week, because what I've got to do is I've got to take this message, and I've got to try to make it intense, right? I've got to try to keep you all engaged and awake and, and it be fruitful, right? And that's a tough task for some of you because some of you are already asleep. But you know what? So naturally, there's, there's, there's a comparison that happens. And this is what I've learned this week about comparison is that comparison leads to doubt, right? Comparison can lead to doubt. Comparison can take away our confidence, right? Is that true about it? Is that, with all of you guys that raised your hands, is that true? Comparison has the ability to take away our confidence. Listen, comparison can conceal our calling. It could conceal our calling. Listen, comparison has the authority to suppress what the Holy Spirit is trying to do inside of us and through us, right? Come on, when we allow comparison to have a hindrance on us, it, it can confine us. And this is what the Spirit kept telling me this week. He said, stop allowing comparison to confine you. Come on, stop allowing comparison to confine you because when you're confined, you're withdrawn. And when you're withdrawn, you're without. And come on, church, you know when we're without, we're without him, amen? 
So listen, stop allowing comparison to confine who you are and the calling that God has placed on your life. I believe that confinement is imprisonment. And God's been speaking to me all week long saying, listen, I didn't sacrifice myself so that you can can stay confined in the calling that I've got for your life today. If you allow comparison to lead you to doubt and you allow comparison to take away your confidence, then you're not putting your faith and your trust in me and what I've called you to. Amen. So come on. I want you to do something bold today. This isn't going to look like church normal. Maybe you have an expectation of we sing three songs. Somebody gets up there, does a ministry moment. This is what I want to do today. I don't want to have to wait to build this message up to where there's this certain moment and then the worship team comes on here, you know, and then you get all this emotional stuff happening. Let's start right now. Let's, let's start right now. We came here with an expectancy that we're coming to church to have an encounter with our creator. Amen. So if you're one of the ones that raised your hands, then I want you to stand up. I want you to take a bold statement. If comparison is something that you struggle with, I'm here to tell you today that we're going to declare that God has called, equipped, and anointed each and every single one of us to do his will in his works for his kingdom, no matter what. He didn't call me to be Josh James. He didn't call me to be Mark Griffith. He didn't call you to be anybody else other than who he made and designed and equipped you to be. So we're going to declare today in the name of Jesus, because I want to tell you some truth right now. John 14, 12 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, whoever believes in me. Do you all believe in him today? Listen, whoever believes in me, he says, will do the works that I've been doing. He will. If you believe in him, then you will do the works that I've been doing. And you will do even greater things than these because I go to my father. Yeah, you can clap for that. Come on, he's left us intentionally here to do his calling and his good works. So stop allowing comparison to confine you. Amen. Whether it's in ministry, whether it's, whether it's in the gym, no matter what it is, you are who God called and anointed you to be. Amen. Come on, y'all can be seated. That's not even my sermon, but I'm ready to preach now. So y'all ready for some kingdom culture this morning? Hey, if you brought your Bibles, um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verse 24 through 27. I'll give you a second to find it. Y'all ready? Born ready. Let's go, baby. Hey, so listen, Jesus has been preaching this this Sermon on the Mount, right? For for a few days now. He's got crowds of people that he's been preaching to for, for, for a certain period of time. And Jesus is ending his famous Sermon on the Mount. This is the last passage that we read in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has given us one last instructional parable, right? And he says this, therefore, everyone, say everyone, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone, say everyone, who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Father, we just, um, God, we're just grateful to be in your house today, to be able to come in here, have the freedom to worship, um, and God, just 
break down the walls of our expectancy this morning, that we're not just here on a Sunday morning, but that we're here for an encounter with you. God, transform our minds, transform our hearts, transform our expectations into something even greater. We just ask that you just have your way this morning. God, let us be built on a foundation of you in your word in our lives. God, speak to each and every single heart this morning. Amen. So if you're taking notes this morning, um, sometimes I title messages, sometimes I don't. But today I want to, I've made the title up, Heard That. So this is my message today is Heard That. So look at your neighbor with just a little bit of sassy confidence and say, Heard That. Right. Heard That. I love it. Yeah. So this passage has special meaning to me and my family. About five or six years ago, some of you know that we embarked on the journey of building our very first house and um, it was an amazing experience, amazing blessing. So this passage has, has a special meaning to me because at that time, I was literally headstrong in ministry. I mean, we were committed. We were doing everything right. Um, and we was literally walking the walk and talking the talk, if you will. So when it came time to pour the footings that our walls for our house would sit on, Mandy and I had grabbed a Bible. We had opened it to Matthew 7. We had highlighted this verse. Um, and when the concrete crew got to a specific spot in the footing, we stopped them, and I had read the scripture to them, had let them know what we were doing. We prayed. We prayed over the house. I prayed over the crew. Um, you know, we, we prayed for every aspect and every detail of our house, of our home, of the land that we were on. And then we took that Bible, and we placed it in a Ziploc bag, and we laid it in the foundation or in the footing of our house, and we poured concrete over it, right? So, we literally built our house on the rock. We took the scriptures literal, amen? Come on, and we literally poured concrete over, over the, the Bible. And man, it made such an impact on, on the concrete crew. And I'll, I'll never forget the imprint that it made on them, but the imprint that it made um, everywhere else too, because we had people literally sending us pictures of them doing the exact same thing, amen? Come on, we were spiritual trendsetters. We didn't even know it. We were just trying to be spiritual, right? Um, but it was really cool to see what we had done. And I'm not saying that to, to, to brag, but we literally wanted to build our house on the rock because that's what scripture said to do, right? And when we look at this, we look at this parable that Jesus is, is, is using to, to teach us. He uses an illustration of two men building a house, just like we did. But what he's actually implying is the building of your life, right? The building of your life. And Matthew 5 through 8, this, this entire Sermon on the Mount is Jesus instructing us exactly how to do that, right? Matthew 5 through 8, it's this entire, these three chapters is Jesus, his Sermon on the Mount, instructing us how to live godly and Christ-like and how to do the things that he's called us to, how to shift our perspective and our beliefs into a, from a worldly culture into a culture that is just like his, Christ-like and kingdom-focused. So my question that I want you to think about today as, as, as we're going through this message is, what kind of house are you building? Or what life are you building? And better yet, what is your foundation built on? Come on, it's, it's critical. It's not cringy. Sometimes we don't want to think about it that way, but it's not cringy. This is critical to a kingdom culture, amen? So I want to take some time and I want to identify, I want to break down this scripture um, this passage, I want to look at some, I want to define some similarities and some differences between these two men described in the passage. Is that cool? A comparison, if you will. Now, hold up. I know some of y'all, didn't I just say we can't compare no more? 
Come on, we declared in the name of Jesus that we weren't comparing, but that wasn't part of my scripture. That wasn't part of my sermon. Um, this is this is biblical contrast, so it's okay, all right? Y'all still with me, or are y'all snapping and tweeting that you prefer Pastor Mark right now? <laughs> Come on, that's okay. He'll be back next week. Don't worry. I'll, I prefer him too. It's okay. So, hey, let's, let, let's start with the comparison. The first comparison I want to talk about is that both these men were builders. The Bible says both built a house, and it happened to be their house. Okay, they weren't builders for somebody else, but they were building their house, their life, right? And that's important because we're all building something. You see, a house is defined in the Bible as a dwelling place, a place that we inhabit, right? And it can be defined as a church, the house of God. It can also represent your culture, your lineage, your, your, your character, the house of David, for example, where you came from. But a house is also defined in the Bible as a manner of living. The way that we choose to live our life. Because we're all building a life, right? Step by step, stone by stone, brick by brick, decision by decision. Every single minute of every single day, we're building a life. And the world tells us so many different ways we're to build our life, right? What culture says about it. But what's, what's the Bible say about building a life? What does kingdom culture look like when it comes to building a life? Proverbs 24.3 says that by wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. So the first comparison is they built, right? The second comparison is both these men heard. Both of these men heard the words that Jesus spoke. You know what? They might have actually even been sitting there at the Sermon of the Mount by, by Jesus was preaching the greatest sermon ever to be heard. Both of them could have been sitting at there, there at that moment. So it wasn't that one of them had the opportunity to hear the words of Jesus and the other one didn't. Both of them heard the words because Jesus compares both of these men by saying, everyone who hears these words of mine is like. So we know that both of them had been instructed. Both of them had heard the commands of Jesus. They both were subject to Jesus's teachings. So they heard, right? And faith comes from hearing. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So both of these men built houses. Both of these men heard the word. And the third comparison or similarity is both of these men faced a storm. They both endured struggles. Both of these houses were tested. Now, not all storms are the same, right? Not all struggles are the same. And I get that. But in this instance, this particular instance, Jesus says that the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It was literally the same storm. So both of these men had this comparison of they both built, and then they both heard, they both, both of the houses were tested by the same storm. It wasn't that one storm was worse than the other. It wasn't that one storm was lessened than the other. It was the exact same storm to test both houses. Church, we will face storms, right? The Bible makes it very clear. Just because we give our life to Christ doesn't mean that we're immune or exempt from the hardships and the struggles that this life brings, okay? The storms that we face in this life, they're, they're not biased. They don't care. They don't care whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, you're white, whether you're foolish, whether you're wise, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. The difference is 
The difference is that when you're a believer, you, have, you still have hope. That's the difference, right? It's still going to rain, but the difference is that we have a different hope. So the comparisons are that they both built a house, they both heard the word, and both houses were tested. Both of them faced a storm. Now I want to take a look at some contrasts. So the first contrast I want to talk about is one was labeled wise and the other was labeled a fool. And listen, it wasn't the educational differences or the knowledge that they possessed, right? It wasn't how smart one was and how stupid one was that defined who was wise and who was foolish. It wasn't that one had memorized scripture, had been to seminary, or even had a tattoo of a Bible verse on their body somewhere. I can say that because I have one. Pastor Mark didn't know that till this morning. It wasn't, <laughs> show me. <laughs> listen, come on, man, I'm trying to help here. Uh, listen, it wasn't that they attended church regularly, that they tithed, that they were faithful. It wasn't that they even believed in the word and even agree, agreed or amen when Pastor Ryan said something good. It wasn't that. One thing separated wisdom from ignorance. One man heard the words and the instructions of Jesus. And the Bible says what? He put it into practice. He acted on what he had heard. He acted on his faith. And it says that the other man heard the exact same message and chose not to put what he received into action. And Jesus considered him a fool. It wasn't how smart they were. It wasn't that they were educational. It wasn't that they had the Bible memorized. It was that one put into practice what he had learned and the other chose not to. Because the other man heard the exact same words that Jesus spoke. He even believed that they were the truth, but he did not put them into practice. Now, so there's many comparisons that make the, man, the men similar, right? But they had a major character difference. And it wasn't that one was a bad person. It wasn't that one denied Jesus and one didn't. According to this passage, a fool can listen to the words of Jesus and a wise man can listen to the words of Jesus. So biblical knowledge wasn't the problem. And church, you can be biblically rooted right here in a church that's founded and based on the Bible. And you can listen to all the words of Jesus and all the words these pastors speak, and you can still be a fool, according to this passage. The biblical definition of wise, I want you guys to understand this right now. The biblical definition of wise is the ability to apply spiritual truth, the word of God, right? To life's realities and decisions in all seasons. I'm going to say it again. The biblical definition of wise is the ability to apply spiritual truth to life's decisions, to life's situations in every season of your life. The biblical definition of a fool is your inability, check this out, or your refusal, mm, mm, your inability or your refusal to apply spiritual truth to life's decisions and realities. You're either wise if you apply the spiritual truth, or you're a fool if you choose not to apply your spiritual truth. That's the only difference. It's not education-based. It's not saying, oh, I don't know the scriptures. Oh, I don't understand the Bible. That's not what he's getting at. The difference is the fact that one was wise and one was foolish because one put into practice what he'd heard and the other refused to. So it's not that the difference between them isn't ignorance or lack of intelligence. 
It's the result of one man ignoring the words of Jesus. Which leads me right into my second contrast. One put into practice what he'd heard, and the other did not put into practice the words of Jesus. Church, we're called to act on our faith, right? We're called to act on this faith. Hearing isn't enough. There has to be action accompanying this faith that we possess. Come on, James tells us to stop deceiving ourselves, right? Don't deceive yourselves. He said, don't just merely listen to the word, but do what it says, right? Come on, you're deceiving yourself if you're thinking that hearing is enough. He says in 2.14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? What good is it? And in verse 17, he says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. Okay, we're, saved. we're not saved by our works, right? Y'all agree? I'm not talking about salvation because we, we, we read in Ephesians that it is by grace that we have been saved in the name of Jesus Christ, right? And Romans tells us that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So I'm not talking about salvation, but listen, this faith that we receive when we accept Jesus in our life, this is the catalyst that propels us to do good works, right? This is what we use to be able to accomplish good deeds because he's called, equipped, and anointed all of us to do good works for his kingdom, right? Come on, that kind of faith and the word of God is the foundation for which we're to build our life on. And as the kingdom culture life is constructed, when we put that kind of faith and that kind of work into action, right? The problem is, the problem is that I see in churches is that acting on God's word isn't our first priority. The acting on God's word isn't our first priority. Listening is, we're really, really good at the listening part and hearing the word of God. But the problem is that acting is not our first priority. And unfortunately for most of us, we believe that just hearing the word of God, that's enough to get us by. But you want to hear some critical truth? Do you? Can you handle some critical truth this morning? Come on, we're a critical church. I don't want to, be, I don't want to just play church. I don't want to be a church that just gets by hearing the word and thinking we're doing enough, right? Romans 2.6 says, God will repay each person according to what they've done. Not by what they've heard but by their actions. Hearing the word and even approving of it, even believing in it, even preaching it, isn't sufficient enough unless it's accompanied by obedience. Y'all agree? There has to be obedience, church. And we've learned by this parable that just hearing Jesus' instructions and then literally choosing not to apply them to our lives makes us what? Makes us a fool. My goal today isn't to belittle, it's not to judge, it's not to even come in here and condemn, it's to make you aware, it's to awaken you. I told you all ago, there's a power that resides inside of us, right? That God left us to do the good works, that he's given us this spirit that's living in every single believer, right? That's equipping us to do his work and his will, to build our lives on a foundation that's rooted in him. Come on, he's given us this power because he knew it was going to be the only way that we could ever withstand, right? Yeah. Have you ever given someone advice? Like, you ever, like parents, you all are in here, you tell your kids that what they need to do, or you give them somebody advice and it literally goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah, all the time. Like if you're a parent, come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
but you know they heard what you told them, but they didn't put into action the advice that you gave them. And you're sitting back going, come on, I, I told you so. And, all, and you do because you love them and you care and you got compassion for them. And you just sit back and you watch them struggle and you watch them fail. And it kind of hurts, right? Then they say things like, well, they just didn't listen. Come on, they listened. They heard exactly what you said. They chose not to apply the advice. Even if it was spiritual, even if it was the truth, even if it was exactly what they needed to hear, they refused to put it into action, right? And you knew what was best for them. Come on, here's your parents. You knew what was best for them. Come on, we're no different, church. We're no different when we try to build our life the way that we think that we need to build it, the way that we want to build it, when we've been given the instruction, when we've been given grace, when we've been given all the opportunity to build it. We're no different when we hear it and we don't apply it to our life. God's given us the instruction. He's graced us with the power, but it's our responsibility to utilize and apply them. So I'm a lineman. Before I was a lineman, I was an inside wireman. And we started to install motion lights. Y'all ever seen the motion detector lights, right? Because y'all are too lazy to turn the light switch off when you leave a room. So we, so, so we, put, so we put motion lights in. But here's the thing about motion lights. You install them, and what they do is it's, they're, they're done in order to save companies money or, or households money because people don't shut the lights off, and the electricity is continuing to run the whole time with nobody in the room. But the thing about motion lights, in order for them to be activated, something has to get in its path. Okay, The power's there, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't activate until something gets in close proximity with it to engage it, right? Come on, y'all see where I'm going. He's given us the power. The power for the light's already there. But if you don't walk in close proximity with it, it doesn't activate and come on and be able to be used. So it's no different when God's sitting here saying, I've got you right here. All you got to do is come in close proximity with me because you have all the power you need right here. Come on, we walk by faith. We don't listen or talk by faith. See, one man heard and responded with action to the instructions given by Jesus, while the other man heard and chose to ignore. Another contrast between these two men is one built his house on the rock, and the other built his house on the sand. And these are foundational differences, right? Foundation is always laid and prepared first. It's always the first thing that has to be laid and prepared because everything else you build on top of that foundation is crucial to how well and prepared your foundation is laid. Does that make sense? Your, pre your pre preparation for your foundation is crucial to the life that you build on top of it. I told you I'm a lineman, so we have this formula that we use to set poles. I'm, I'm a transmission lineman, so we, we, we have big structures that we use to carry high voltage power across the country. And there's a formula that we, we use, it's called 10 plus two. It's not brain surgery, it's simple. You take 10% of the pole, the length, you put two feet onto it, that's how deep you dig your hole. So if you have a hundred foot pole, you take 10% of that is 10 foot, right? You add two foot to that is, come on, man, y'all are, are journeyman linemen, let's go. Come on, it's simple. But here's the thing about it is somebody has gone through the trouble 
of analyzing, collecting data, testing, doing all this stuff to know that there's a reason we have to put it in the ground that deep. Because it's going to come against the load that's on the line. The height is an issue. The weight of the pole is an issue. And another thing that happens is we have ice load calculations. There's going to be storms and high winds and all these things come against this structure. So it has to be in the ground at a certain depth or order. It will not withstand what's coming against it. The taller the pole, the deeper the hole. That's lineman lingo. So y'all know. It doesn't do any good to put a hundred foot pole, seven foot in the ground. Because it's not going to withstand what's coming against it. Sure, it might stand temporarily. It might stand for a little while, but the first time we get a quarter of inch of ice stretch all the way across an area, it's going to come tumbling down because it's not meant to sustain that much load because it doesn't have its foundation deep enough to carry what's coming against it. And the more we build our lives up, the more solid and secure our foundation has to be. Amen. Come on, rock foundation requires work, church. It requires digging and excavating and much time is spent and it's hard work and it's expensive and it costs you tons to lay a rock foundation if you're building a house, right? It just, it just costs. You have to have an excavator come in. You know, sand's easy. It costs way less. It's simple. Honestly, all you got to do is get some sand, level it out. Man, you can start building. It's quick. And honestly, it's no wonder that so many of us choose to build that way because it's easy. We don't want to work. We don't want to dig. We don't want to chisel and hammer and take the time to invest. We definitely don't want to wait. Nobody likes waiting, right? It takes time to build on rock, to dig a firm foundation. Even today, many churches, active Christians, faithful believers and followers still choose to build on the sand because they don't want to take the time it takes to invest to build on rock. You see, we start with man. We start with what we want, with what we believe, with our culture, with what history says, with what my parents say, with what my friends say, with a self-help book on how to raise a kid, with a self-help book on electricians or electrical for dummies. We start with all those things and we build our lives around our culture and our selfish wants. And then we try to invite God into that and we expect God to bless it. No, God, I'm doing it this way. I know better than you do, but I need you to bless it. Jesus says in verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine, my words, not the world's words, not the self-help book's words, not your friend's words, not Oprah's words, my words, my truth, my instruction, So you've got the contrast so far as one built his house on the rock, one built his house on the sand. I'm going through all of them here. That's right. One put into practice what he had heard. The other did not put into practice the words of Jesus. You got to love technology when your screen just goes blank, right? Come on. So one put into practice what he'd heard. One built his house on the rock and the sand, and one listened. What was the first one? He's writing notes here. Come on. One wise and one was labeled a fool. Thank you. Come on, I love technology. It's so great. Hey, you try getting up here and doing this and see if it's easy for you. Come on. <laughs> 
So those are the contrasts, right? So the last contrast that I want to talk about is one house withstood the storm and the other house fell with a great crash. And I asked you a question a while ago about what are you building your life on? What kind of life are you building? What's the foundation on? I want to ask you another question right now. Reading in this parable that there was no differences. It wasn't that one house kind of stood and one house kind of made it through. It was one house withstood the storm and one house fell with a great crash. What's going to happen to your house? What's going to happen to the house that you're building? You see, we never found out who was wise and who was foolish until when? Until after the storm came. We never knew who was wise and who was foolish until it was after the storm came. Because as long as it wasn't raining, as long as it wasn't storming, everything looked fine. Both houses, it says, were standing. And to the naked eye, you could have walked by, you would have no idea if one house was built on rock or the other house was built on sand. Everything looked the exact same. And it was after the storm that Jesus defined who was wise and who was foolish. Church, you can mask it, you can hide it, you can patch the cracks all you want temporarily for a while, but I'm telling you, the storms of life will beat against your house. And if it's not built on the foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ, it will fall with a great crash. See, the wise man starts at the foundation level with building his house. He starts on the word of God with building his house. And it was the basis for which he had built his entire life. He didn't do it during the construction process. He didn't do it after the storm. He did it first. He had already established the way that he was going to build his life and exactly what he was going to build upon. And even in doing everything right, even in doing all that, guess what? He still faced a storm. The storm still came. You're not subject to not getting storms in your life. The passage says that the rains fell down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. That's a hurricane, y'all. That's a hurricane. That ain't, that ain't a little thunderstorm. That's a flat out hurricane and hurricanes are absolutely devastating, right? Some of you guys might be in one right now. And the wind and the rain is absolutely coming down and it's beating against you and the water's rising up and it's coming inside the house. And it seems like all the walls are getting ready to come crashing down. Is your foundation going to be able to withstand or is it going to be washed away? Because when comparing both of these houses externally from the outside, everything looks structurally sound. And you can mask it and you can hide it all you want. But what's it going to look like after the storm? Because it was after the storm, that's when we revealed who was wise and who was foolish. Who was structurally sound and whose foundation washed away. Kim, you can go ahead and come on up. You don't build a house during a storm. Now, I don't want that to be contradictory to what I'm trying to tell you is, but you don't build, Jeremy Day, you guys will just build a house. Could you work when it was pouring down rain in the middle of a thunderstorm? You can't build a house during a storm. So it's critical that you dig and prepare this solid foundation before you ever begin to build. You guys remember that story that I told in the beginning about Mandy and I building our our dream house. And I told you that we had stopped the, the concrete crew in a specific spot, right? Well, that spot was in our master bedroom along the south side wall, exactly where our master bed was going to sit. 
because we wanted to be able to lay right on top of the word of God. That's where we stopped the concrete crew in that specific spot so that our house would be blessed, our marriage would be blessed, that we were going to build everything in our lives according to his truth, his word, and on his foundation. And you've heard it said that if your marriage can withstand building a house, it can withstand anything, right? Y'all ever heard that? Come on, hey, if you built a house, you know what I'm talking about. We made it through the build just fine. It wasn't the build that was the problem. You see, when I read that scripture about building your house on the rock, I took it literally. So we poured our house, we built it on the rock of Jesus. But what I failed to realize when I was doing my research and when I was reading was that it says when the storms of life came, when the storms of life come, it didn't say if the storms of life come. It says when the storms of life come. See, I'd become so focused on ministry and everything else that that was my drive, that when we started building this house, I was so focused and driven on getting that house done that I started to neglect and put everything else second. My ministry, my walk with Jesus, my church. And I'll never forget, I had a buddy of mine who kind of seen the warning signs coming. And he said, dude, you've got to start focusing. And I said, man, I'm so busy. I'm so distracted. I've got to hurry up and get this done so that I could get back to what I was doing, back to what God called me to do. Right. And I'll never forget the words that he told me. He said, you never should have stopped doing those in the first place. You should have never stopped doing those in the first place. This led me to a deep, dark season, which I'm not proud of. A season of depression, of guilt, of shame, of remorse, of resentment, bitterness, hatred. And if you've never suffered from depression, then you have no idea the toll that it takes on a person. It's not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your possessions. It's a disease that takes control. And I went through a three-year dark season of where, to where suicide became the only means out. But I'm not here to glorify the storm. I'm here three years later telling you that our God's good, amen? That the word says that nothing formed against you shall prosper, right? Not that nothing can prosper against you. Not that nothing can come against you, but that nothing formed against you can prosper. And it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ that I'm here today to be able to preach. And it's only by the goodness of God that we just celebrated 18 years of marriage because I was ready to quit. And I believe it with every ounce of my being that the only reason is because originally we put our foundation on the rock in the literal sense. Because I'm going to tell you what, you know what? The storm came, church. The house got beat down. The marriage got attacked. Everything happened, but the foundation was still there. I can stand up here and say I've been through one hell of a storm. I don't know if you can say that from stage, but I'm going to. I may not ever get to preach again, but I preach today. Literally walked through the pits of hell for three years with 
foundation was never shaken. And I'm sure that some of you in here today are trying to manufacture a foundation. You're trying to shore up your footings, hoping that it will hold. But listen, church, you can't pour concrete in the rain. Can you, Brandon Rust? Because it's going to wash away. You can't pour concrete in the rain. And so many of us, we wait until we're deep in the eye of the hurricane, until we're deep in the eye of the storm. And then all of a sudden, we want to turn to Jesus and start trying to pour a foundation. And it just keeps getting washed away. But I'm here today to encourage, not to discourage, that there is hope. Come on, there is hope. You can rebuild, amen? Come on, you can rebuild. You can choose to rebuild on the existing foundation that fell down in the first place and washed away, or you can choose today to build on the eternal rock of Jesus Christ. Because Christ alone, here's the deal, you can build on Jesus Christ because Christ alone is the cornerstone, amen? He is the foundation that we're to build our life upon, being rooted and founded in the word of God. But it takes time. It takes investment. It takes us having to dig and it takes work. But church, I'm telling you right now, if you want to withstand the storms of life, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, no one can lay a foundation other than the one that's already been laid. Christ has already been made that cornerstone. So stop trying to manufacture something. Stop patching the cracks and the holes of your life caused by a shifting foundation and solidify it today. You're having an opportunity today. You can build it as beautiful and as elegant and just pimp it out as awesome as you want to on the top, on the external. But I'm telling you right now, when the storms of life come, it's going to reveal if you were wise or if you chose to be a fool because you've heard the word today. I hear so many times in this church, man, Pastor Mark brought the word, man, Pastor Josh brought the word, man, and nothing changes. The sad reality is that many of us in here will hear this word today and even agree with it. Might've even got a few amens, but we'll ignore it and we'll refuse and we'll walk away having known the message, having been told the truth that if you're not built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, your foundation will wash away. Church, we hear, we know, we even believe. So why don't we do? In Luke chapter six, Jesus tells his disciples, or tells the crowd, he said, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? You can make him Lord of your life. You can proclaim it. You can come in here every single Sunday, obediently do it. And those are all great things. But if you're not doing what Christ has commanded us to do, you're only fooling yourself because wisdom's available. And when the storms of life come, it's going to be your wisdom or your foolishness regarding to the message that you've heard today that's going to determine whether you stand or whether you fall. Kingdom culture is hearing the word of God and doing the will of God. Amen. Come on, it's your response. Listen, I want to be a church of transformation that believes in the power and the prayer of God, right? Come on, we want to be a church that not only desires to hear the word of God, but that desires to do the will of God. Amen. So I'm not even going to ask you to bow your heads or close your eyes this morning. Because I think we should be a church that's bold. 
I don't think we should be a church that hides, that stays comfortable. Come on, I want to, I want to be shaken a little bit, right? I want my faith to be shaken a little bit, but I, because I know it's rooted on a foundation of Christ. And maybe you're in here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him and you've heard the message and you want to have a relationship with Christ. If that's you in this place this morning, I just want you to stand. I want you to take a bold leap of faith and stand. If you want to make him Lord of your life today, now's the time. It's time for you to respond. You've heard the message. Maybe you're in here today and you do have a relationship with Christ. You know what? Maybe you haven't made him the foundation. Maybe you've been so consumed by building what the world says and what it should look like and how it should be that you've neglected to make him the foundation on what you've built your house. It's not too late. There is hope. He is the cornerstone to that. If that's you, I want you to stand. If you're worried about your house being on sinking sand, then I want you to take a bold leap of faith today and say, I'm declaring today that I'm making Jesus Christ my foundation for which I'm going to build my life. I see you, brother. That's awesome. Come on, one did it. Let's go. I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about somebody being a believer, somebody that knows Jesus Christ personally, that has made the choice prior, but says, I'm ready to start building. That's awesome. Let's go. Today's the day. It's, it's whether you choose to listen to the word and do something about it in response or you choose to hear the word and ignore it. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.